Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest uh, episode of Getting There, eSchool News Conversation with School District Leaders on how they're responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm editor-at-large, and I'm happy you found us today. I'm very happy to welcome Laura Lockhart. Laura, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for great. having me. Well, thanks for coming on. I know you're probably not too busy, right? I mean, during the middle of a pandemic, you've got plenty of stuff uh, you could be doing other than talking to me, so I really appreciate it. Uh, but I think the topic that we want to talk about is um, really important, especially within the context of the pandemic. Uh, but maybe we could start off. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Keller Independent School District in in, in Texas, right? Uh, give us a little a bit of a context of where you are, how many students, uh, are you hybrid, are you remote, are you in person? Kind of just give us this, the state of Keller right now. Oh, absolutely. Happy to do that. Um, so Keller ISD is nestled a little north of Fort Worth um, in the DFW area. Um, we have uh, about going on about 37,000 students now. Um, we will probably max out at, a, at about 40,000, um, give or take. And so we are about uh, built out um, now, but it has been a wild uh, ride up until now trying to get everything um, uh, prepared for our, our kids. So then 2020, of course, happened. And um, we are currently um, in person. Um, however, we have given the choice to our families to be uh, remote. Uh, so we have, um, in the state of Texas, every nine weeks or every grading period, uh, parents can choose if they want to be remote um, or in person. So um, we have a first day of school now, four times a year. Um, and that just happened yesterday where we had um, a new group of, of uh, students coming in and a group going out, um, just kind of depending on uh, personal preference and what's working and not working for the family. So um, uh, we have probably about, I'm gonna guess, but probably about 60, 60% of our students in person on the rest are remote. We do have some hybrid courses um, in uh, our CTE uh, career technology um, uh, building where they'll come in for those, those uh, courses that really are hands-on and very hard to do remote, but they'll do the rest of their um, uh, core courses online. So, um, so that's kind of what our hybrid looks like right now. Um, and then our nurses, um, and administrators, uh, unfortunately, chase um, uh, around COVID and um, contact tracing and um, quarantining. We probably have about a thousand students on quarantine right now. So uh, it's okay. just, you know, it's just, it's 2020 and we're not able to do what we normally do, but right. um, we're trying to make sure everybody stays safe. We have a pretty, um, students are in masks, we have desk shields. Uh, when we do the, the contact tracing, it's very, um, we're pretty pretty conservative about it as far as making sure that um, if there's 15 minutes um, of contact, uh, then they're quarantined. So okay. um, anyway, so that's kind of the state of Keller right now. Um, like everybody else, we're just trying to figure it out every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every day is another day in paradise, right? So in, 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 a normal, uh, in a normal world, um, we would be talking about National Bullying Prevention Month, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is here in, in October. And, uh, you know, in my coverage of EdTech, you know, 
cyberbullying, cybersecurity, the security of students was always number one uh, before mm -hmm. COVID. So now we have COVID number one and that being number two. But um, have you seen that that issue of bullying now that we've entered these new dynamics, is that something that's still present? Is that something that is uh, still is front and center or has that changed somehow because of the pandemic? It has shifted, um, and I would say the pandemic is one part of that, but the social justice issues are another big humongous part of that. Uh, right. um, our economic downturn is another part of that. So um, it is a it is a very challenging time for everybody, not just public schools, um, as we're grapp grappling with who we are and what we've done and um, how we can um, be a better uh, society. Um, right now. So, um, you know, in regards to some of our um, remote um, situations, you know, we've had to adjust to little littles and um, bigs, uh, figuring out how to manage Zoom. We have uh, issues where some families or some students are not comfortable showing, um, you know, their homes um, on Zoom. We have uh, situations where um, there's maybe background noise that is, that's not something that we want to share with the world. Um, and then we have uh, issues where, you know, other students are responding to that. And so cyberbullying seems to be something that we're having to deal with just a little bit more, but it's very different than it was. Um, we ran around dealing with social media posts uh, quite a bit before, and now it's more of like what's on the chat um and um, private messages and th things that are set in breakout rooms and those sorts of things um so that's kind of the remote uh, cyberbullying type um issues that we're dealing with but then we're also dealing with things um uh, at the campus level um that are in alignment with um you know the harassment and people being um much more sensitive to um social justice issues yeah well, uh, I like to kind of divide the timer in into three parts. There's the uh, you know the BP before pandemic. Mm -hmm. We're now uh, waist deep in the, the during the pandemic, and then hopefully have we can talk about the after the pandemic a little mm -hmm. bit. But maybe we could start with the uh, before the pandemic and the way that you were using uh, Laserfish, I think specifically in terms of automating the processes um, to kind of monitor and manage student behavior? Um, yeah, so um, we, I'll just go back a little bit, probably about eight years ago, um, we were actually cited by um, the Office of Civil Rights. We had a complaint um, that we did not handle a bullying uh, situation or outcry um, effectively. And so because of that, uh, we, uh, you know, created a focus group task force to really dig into what we were missing in regards to um, uh, managing and responding to um, outcries. And so there's really a um, specific process that we should have been using and we had not. So um, this, this uh, team uh, worked on a, an investigation process. And at first it was on um, some of our internal um, uh, tools and systems, a uh, little clunky as far as, you know, getting it all filled out and everything, but it did help um, a, an, an investigator or an administrator go through the whole process without missing a step. 
And then, um, but there's also things that are part of this process that uh, are time sensitive. So within three days, you know, parents of each of the perpetrator and the, um, the, uh, the, the, the victim have to be notified in three days. An investigation has to be complete in 10 days. Um, all allegations must be investigated. So those time stamps and frames and things like that, that's where Laserfish really helped us out. Um, we took the whole investigation system and put it on the laser uh, Laserfish process. And I say we, um, it was our technology department and Clint Meta, who was the mastermind um, and the brains behind all of that. He would sit and, uh, you know, his expertise was uh, technology. Our expertise was the process and so we would just he would ask questions and ask questions and ask questions until we got it right and we would ask for you know different things that we wanted to have happen and he would um, work through that so um, we continue to um, uh, improve it as well but what happened is that an allegation will come in maybe an allegation from the out, outside like it's on our website and it's a laser fish uh, form uh, comes in, it pops up in all, all of our inbox, so we know that there's an allegation that has been made. The principal reviews it, assigns it to one of the assistant principals. The assistant principal opens it up, it pre-populates into an investigation, and then they can go, they can start working um, their process. Uh, if an allegation has not been touched for five days, we get an alert. Um, because they'll only have five more days to finish that investigation. If a um, investigation has not been complete, we'll get an alert. So it really helps us stay on track as well as um, working through all the single, um, all the, the specifics of an investigation, because there's a lot of um, pieces in the state of Texas to make sure that we're covering and we're looking into. So that's kind of what took us up to um, our process and how we're using LaserFish. And then, um, you know, we, we monitor it from the district level. We uh, provide feedback. Um, uh, you know, it, it's pretty steady, uh, especially I think one of the differences uh, pre-pandemic and um, now is uh, with less children in the school, there is a little less um, opportunities, but they figure out their way. So it's, it hasn't eliminated it, but it has, uh, well, there's less discipline. There's less, there's a lot of less things. Um, I'm not sure about the learning. I'm a little concerned about remote learning uh, right now with all of our kids. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's pretty steady and it, and we cover everything from uh, harassment issues on, you know, all the, the protected classes and also uh, bullying. So, um, and like I said earlier, you know, right now it's more cyberbullying, social justice issues, um, and um, and that's the kind of data that we're collecting from it. That's another thing that the Laserfish process gives us is a dashboard um, of data to analyze um, where things are um, coming from. Okay. Now, during a, a normal year, uh, how often would you have a report? I mean, is this something that's a, a common occurrence, like I don't know, weekly or monthly, or is it something that was more extraordinary. Oh no, we uh, uh, we'll get um, with a district of thirty six thousand students. We'll get um, uh, several reports a week. Oh, okay, all right, wow. And so, and each of those need to be documented, time stamped, and so that's where that that automated process uh, keeps you from being overwhelmed, I guess. 
Absolutely. Yeah, there's it's there's so much that has to go into into it that um, Anne kept up with that it the the form helps, you know, uh, organize everything. And then this timestamps helps us stay on track because we do we get we get many. Yeah. And so you're saying, though, that's uh, now that we're uh, during the pandemic, it's been it's been fewer or different. It's been a little fewer and then a lot different. Okay. All right. And so then that comes in, in terms of, um, I guess, Zoom calls or what, what sort of platform we're using for, for uh, hybrid and remote instruction? So um, for the face, for the, I guess, the um, synchronous instruction, it would be Zoom. Um, and then we use learning management platforms of uh, Google Classroom and uh, Canvas. Um, and seesaw, depending on um, the school and, and the um, teacher. Uh, each of the um, students, they'll go on their technology page and they have a little backpack um, icon. And within that backpack icon is their learning management systems that they, they have to have access to. So, um, so for the uh, asynchronous um, uh, students, they, they work mainly out of that we also have virtual learning um, through the state of Texas and some other other different types of um, uh, learning platforms, but that's that's mostly is um, the zooms and the learning platforms is how they're getting their remote instruction. Okay, in uh, talking with other districts, um, I've begun to notice a pattern, uh, a weird, almost kind of inverse um, situation where in many instances, the use of Zoom when it comes to behavior issues or when it comes to speaking to a counselor uh, or other kind of special education needs has actually kind of improved communication in a way that some of the dynamic where you're being sent to the principal's office or you're being sent to the guidance counselor's office or if there's a, a behavior situation that the, the Zoom kind of, I don't know, neutralizes it a little bit. Uh, have you found that to be a case in, in Keller or is that something that is uh, unusual? Talk a little bit about how the dynamics of managing student behavior has changed because of this. Well, when you can mute somebody, um, that does help. Uh, <laughs> we know. Yeah. Um, and you know, <laughs> maybe put someone in the waiting room. Yeah. Um, the issue is, um, sure. I mean, I've even seen the benefits of meetings and getting people together quickly and it being um, a little bit more um, it's crazy, but kind of personalized just because um, there's a little less distraction, you know, as far as what we're there to do. Right. Um, and, the, and I, and even, even the counseling groups and things like that, I can see that there's some uh, intimacy that it was, is surprising. I did, didn't quite expect that. Um, however, our students that struggle um, either academically, emotionally, or their um, home lives are a struggle, it's not um, a safe environment for them. Okay. Um, they are, if they have the support at home um, to be on, to be fed, to be, um, you know, a calm environment, um, you know, those sorts of things, which we do, we're lucky. In Keller, we have a lot that um, do have those um, those benefits, and it is working very well. But if they don't have those um, those that that environmental um, support at home, it's not it's not um, it's not effective. They're getting behind academically. Um, they're getting behind socially. 
um, um, emotionally. Um, those are the those are the kids. And again, we don't have a lot, but those I'm in student services, and that's kind of my work. That's my filter. Are the students that are struggling. Yeah. Um, and so you might want to ask some another department about the students that are going, it's going really, really well, but my filter is the students that are struggling. And, um, that part is the, the, the part that I worry about again, few and far between, but one is too many. So, um, those are the things that we're working on. Yeah. How about, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about after the pandemic, um, how many of these techniques um, and specifically when it comes to managing bullying and, and there's other sort of processes uh, that have changed because of the pandemic, do you think are going to stick? Uh, or are there any that are going to stick? Or will we go back to the way it was before the pandemic when it comes to well, using these tools? I think we can all agree we're never going to be the same. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be, there are some real um, uh, gifts as far as um, launching us forward in a really uh, accelerated way that probably would have taken us 10 years to get to if we'd just done it, um, you know, rocking along like we always have done. So um, there are some there are some things that, that will be um, better and more efficient and more inclusive um, because of uh, the technology advances that we're needing to make. Um, you know, post pandemic you know i'm hoping you know in 21 22 we can sort of get back to normal school year you know it's funny how that timeline continues to shift um based on in march we're like oh we'll be off two weeks and then we'll you know get back to normal right. and then it just continues to we just can kick it down the road so what i'm saying now is hopefully in 21 22 we'll get a little bit more sense of normalcy um and uh i I foresee bringing all of um, our population back together, um, that there will, will be some uh, climate and culture issues um, that uh, we're going to need to make sure that we're not only proactive about, but we're also responding appropriately um, so that people, so our kids are safe. And so yeah. the response part of that is the, uh, um, bullying and harassment investigation process. Um, we want to make sure that that piece is very solid and um, thorough, um, but we also want to give, give equal time to proactive, productive, positive relationship building. So that's kind of where I see, hopefully we'll be working in in 21-22. Right. How about culturally and um, how we've all been forced to begin to use these technologies, especially devices where before students, I mean, I used to think about it as like from 2007, we were all born digital natives, both adults as well as students, right? And we've been, we're now in the teenage years <laughs> and yeah. we're still figuring out, obviously adults as well as students trying to figure out how to use these things appropriately and for their, for their greatest advantage. Um, another trend that I picked up a little bit on is, well, a greater amount of empathy when it comes to teachers talking to students, students talking to teachers, as students talking to each other in, in a lot of senses. Um, I'm guessing that's something you'd also be hopeful for to see that that maybe will maybe now mature a little bit through through the use and this forced use of, uh, of this stuff. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I think um, obviously the technology has enhanced um, just our access to learning, our access to one another. Um, and uh, those are things that I think will continue to um, uh, help us out. Um, and like I said, we were forced to learn a lot of things very quickly. The kids were forced to learn a lot of things very quickly. But um, I, I do truly do, I do feel like um, there will be, uh, just because there's different, we, we've expanded our ways to connect. Um, and I think that was something that unfortunately had to be forced upon us. And so, but it has been um, a really, uh, it's been a gift in a lot of ways where um, like, again, student services filter, that's where, I, where I, I work from, but I'm able to gather a group of people from across the district to brainstorm about um, problem solving about a student very quickly now. It, you know, nobody has to travel. Um, we're able to pull in parents. Um, you know, all of those, those things are uh, increasing our ability to connect. And I, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, as we help with uh, systems uh, like the Laserfish system and other online systems that help us free up time um, so that we're not second guessing ourselves on our processes and that we're making sure that we're meeting our deadlines. That gives us more um, time to connect, you know, where the, where it actually matters with the people. And so yeah. um, I'm hopeful. I, I do, I do see some improvements in regards to that. Yes. And one final question, would you have any piece of advice for a district maybe who hasn't automated um, their, their processes the way that you have, like what would be the first steps, even as we're, and you are dealing with all these other things, this is something that you feel would be important to continue to um, begin to implement? So um, that collaboration and shared leadership uh, with um, experts, it was critical in our, our work. So we had people at the table who were um, uh, uh, working, um, practicing, you know, campus administrators. We had district leaders with um, policy uh, knowledge and expertise, and then the technology department with their level of expertise. And then we um, were not scared to learn from one another. Everybody was very open to understanding you know, what systems could and couldn't do. And then, um, like I said, Clint was, I mean, he was, he learned and made sure that he understood the investigation process very deeply so that he could create a system that, that met our needs. So that collaboration, it takes time, but, um, you know, it, it's more than a, I just want the system to do this. Can you make it happen? It's a, it's a constant um, communication and collaboration and understanding of um, everyone's role um, to share that in that process of, of making it happen. So, um, uh, you know, we were very lucky to have a lot of committed people that were very knowledgeable and very open to learning from one another. And that, that helped us um, get to where we got, where we are today with the laser fish process. Great. And so maybe that'll be easier now that you can do that on Zoom if, if you're not in the same Oh, way, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And we're, I mean, we've already, already start. you know, with the share, I mean, you just, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. And the time, time saved from going across the district to sit down with somebody. Um, now, you know, I do spend a lot of time in this office that um, I probably would like to get out a little bit more, but we are 
efficiently getting through things. Um, so that has been definitely a, a positive. That's great. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time. Uh, your work is very important. Uh, and I just, I always have to tip my hat to the educators right now uh, through this, this time. Uh, but your insights uh, will definitely be helping our, our readership who are folks just like you. So, so thanks again for your time. Awesome, it was my pleasure. Thank Great. you for having me. And thanks everybody for, for watching and reading uh, eSchool News. Uh, I'm Kevin Hogan.